On this episode of Sick Day, we'll talk about leaving the house, diet culture, and the TV show The Good Place. Welcome to Sick Day Pod, a podcast for Spoonies and their allies. If you want to know what a Spoonie is, be sure to check out episode one. So, I'm Brenna. And I'm Michael. Welcome to the podcast about life as a Spoonie. Broadcasting from bed. This is Sick Day. Sometimes you don't have a choice. Everybody still has a voice. It's time to call a sick day. So it's fun that our tagline is broadcasting from bad because today we literally are in Michael's bed. We knew this would happen, though. I mean, that's why it's the tagline. It was like. I'm sorry if you thought we've been broadcasting from bed the whole time. We haven't been. We're usually at a table, but today I can't leave bed, but I feel okay to pod, so we're in bed. Speaking of which, where are your spoons at before we get started? Dude, I don't even know. I'm like on a ton of painkillers, which is like, I don't know if that gives or takes away spoons. (laughs) I can't tell. (laughs) Well, you said something interesting that I think is relevant to like spoon counting. You were saying, I have mental spoons. But I want to be in bed. Yeah, I'm super happy to hang out with Bren and to do the pod, but I don't want to move. Don't make me. Yeah, I think having mental spoons, I mean, some like chronic illnesses will, of course, like affect your mental spoons. But in my experience, a lot of times I have mental spoons, but I can't move my body or I can, Mm -hmm. but it really hurts, etc. And so but that can be like a really hard place to be in because you're bored it's common for me because i'm really outgoing yeah so i i I often have social spoons interesting that makes sense and also like social stuff can be like replenishing for you yeah but my house is so great um where i recently moved because i'm really close to several parks so i don't have to like there's no like barrier to going outside yeah i don't have to like I mean, I have to, like, get dressed, but I don't have to, like, get in the car and, like, drive 20 minutes and, like, I can just kind of, like, walk to a park. Yeah, and it's, like, a safe park, too. Yeah, it's nice. You don't have to worry about your safety at all. Yeah, and then if I have to do anything, I can literally just, like, walk home really quickly. Yeah. Which is great. I'm pretty, like, spoon neutral today. I have, like, a healthy number of spoons left after, like, doing stuff. So, that's good. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even say why my spoons are low. I'm having, like, tons of pelvic pain. Which is just pretty common for me. And my voice is going to seem kind of low energy today. But I think we have an entertaining show still. (laughs) Do you know who's low energy though? Who? Big Sean. Why? (laughs) Because every time he raps, he like just walks around the stage really slow. And he's just like. I think like. And like. Is that like his swagger though? Yeah, but it's not swag. It's just like, are you sleepy? And I feel like, do you want a nap? And I don't want to, like, nap shame him, but I'm like... You need a nap. He doesn't seem like a spoonie. Oh, dude, there's so many people, oh, nap shaming, like, you shouldn't have to take naps. Right. I thought you were explaining, like, wanting to shame people into napping, because I think that is healthy in some cases. (laughs) Like, there's so many people that just, like, you need to go to bed right now, and they (laughs) don't get it. Yeah. Like, you're making everyone miserable with your bad attitude. Take a nap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, totally. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) We can move into now some of our corrections and announcements. Yes. Okay. So our first correction comes from the first episode, which we recorded quite a while back. 
Um, and then there's something compelling. I talked about the show Afflicted. And I talked about how I had only watched the first few episodes. But um, I actually just never finished watching it because we heard some like really shitty stuff about the show. Yeah. So a listener actually messaged us. We're really grateful to you um, for doing that. Calling us in because apparently the show was really exploitative to the people who were featured. Yeah. And I didn't see any of that blatantly in episode one or two, but I might be wrong. But it seems pretty honest and empathetic. But apparently they start saying that their symptoms are psychosomatic. Right. Which, you know, we're not down for on this pod. We're not, but we are because your brain is part of your body. So. Right. Psychosomatic seems like a dismissal. Right. But dismissing someone is not okay because no matter what, the pain you're feeling is real. Like unless you're lying. But if the. Yeah. But if your brain is making the pain. That's that's very real. That's still pain. That's where pain is. Yeah. In your brain. (laughs) So your brain's always making the pain. Right. I mean, technically, it always is making the pain. Right. So, yeah, I guess all my pain psychosomatic. Boom. Boom. I know. Next time a doctor's like, this is all in your head, I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the people <laughs> <laughs> the people on the show actually did, like, open letters and, like, had a whole campaign calling out um, the show. From an article on Nylon, they basically argued that the show's flawed handling of the nuanced, complicated, and deeply personal issues were exploitative and irresponsible. So take that grain of salt sorry we recommended it episode one (laughs) and looking back i think it was really um naive of me to trust that show because they chose stories that are so niche and uncommon i see because like not that their stories are less important than like mine or brenna's but like i have arthritis and endo and she has fibromyalgia and like we don't see a lot of really honest stories about those struggles right um and i think you could totally make a documentary about those but they chose the most like bizarre strange clickbait chronic illnesses right and they were all clickbaity oh it wasn't anything that was like a common one right so i don't think they were really trying to show like how chronic illness is for a lot of us they were trying to like exploit people with really unique chronic illness yeah which is messed up all we want is like media that represents us yeah and it's so sometimes you gotta gotta take off that critical filter like not with this like this was obviously exploitative but when you go into something new sometimes you have to be open-minded or there's nothing to watch and i mean our fave which is harry potter definitely has problematic things in it of course but we can definitely like as a whole appreciate it because the body of work is not like meant to exploit a specific group of people whereas this seems like it was very intentionally exploited at least how that's how the people who are featured on the show feel yeah and it's also really impressive that they band together because from what i saw none of them were from the same area or knew each other yeah so it's not like they knew each other and then like decided to get together and like revolt they like connected because they were like this is so messed up i saw one of them recently in the supermarket fun fact but i didn't go up to them i won't tell you which one it was because i don't want to give anything away about anybody but yeah um and then we have a fun announcement um the musicians who wrote the music for our show both the theme song and the bumpers they're in a band called 40 feet tall and they just released a music video and we really like the song it's called Cavalcade. It's really good. Yeah. And so I think we're just going to play you guys a little snippet because we really liked it. And hopefully 
You like it. like the song i think we're gonna play it at the end of the episode yes so. stay tuned for the end for the world premiere of no they've already released it they've released it <laughs> yeah you can go watch the video on youtube <laughs> yeah so anyway shout out to uh brett marquette and jack Sarahs for writing our music thank you thank you okay so we want to so sincerely thank everyone that's been listening and everyone that's rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, we are getting reviews from people we don't know. And that is amazing. Yeah, that's literally making my life. We um, Every time we get a review, we text each other and we're like, do you know this person? And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't. And we're like, oh! Yay! <laughs> we also text each other reviews from people we do know. But yeah, there's an extra special party if we don't know you. So if we don't know you, leave us a review. It makes us so happy. Um, so today we want to thank Tina Time, Roni Kale, Bodacious Ancients, Mish the Human and Goddess of Greens for leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. So I'd love to actually read a review from Tina Time. So it says, Sick Day Pod gave me all the vibes of a sleepover with my best ladies without having to use any spoons on leaving the house and making plans. I love that. I literally started describing our show as like a sleepover. Me too. That's like what we're going for. Yeah, she nailed it better than we could have. Found this pod when I was in a bad way and needed some self-care. By the end of the first episode, I was totally hooked and just a bit more spoon-rich. Relatable at AF and deeply validating. It was so refreshing to hear mindful, unfiltered opinions of strong, spoony women. Couldn't be happier to have found this podcast and can't wait to see what these two do next. Every time someone calls me a strong woman, I'm always calling all my friends a strong woman. Like, you're a strong-ass woman. When someone calls me that, I'm like, are they talking about me? <laughs> you mean You mean me? Am I the woman? Am I, I an adult? When I hear strong woman, I just think of like Wonder Woman. I'm like, that's not what's going on here. Right. Yeah. Like, you can call my mom Mrs. Strong Woman. Like, I'm not. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just woman. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So recently, one of my mom's best friends, who's a Los Angeles based fashion designer, listen to our episode and he's someone I've known since I'm like four years old he's he's so funny and so him and my mom started because my mom worked in fashion too so he'll call my mom at like 10 a.m and be like oh my god girlfriend I only have two skirts like what am I gonna do with the rest of the day so <laughs> he's using skirts as spoons because it's fashion it's, that's so cute <laughs> it's spoons but make it fashion I love that I also <laughs> love like people without chronic illness using that language because i think that language is so important yeah because it doesn't like appropriate us but it also like meanfully manages your time energy management is so important i can't even i just i think it should be like explicitly taught in schools we can also like change just for funsies spoons to whatever we are in the moment like i only have one puppy right now yeah yeah skirts is hysterical excellent <laughs> excellent work so another way you can support us is by joining our Patreon. And we have some Patreon supporters this week. Yay! Join the party. So thank you to Matthew L., Noah U., Drew R., and Charlie H. 
for joining already. Amazing. Patreon party. They all got their recipes. Yes. I even found some pictures of the food I made. So perfect. One of them got like this really yummy salad. And I also sent images of it deconstructed and constructed. Wow. Because I take pictures of my food. But it wasn't until after I wrote the recipe down that I was like, oh, my gosh, I have pictures. Yeah. So if you want a recipe with pics with your dietary restrictions in mind and that's spoony friendly, join our Patreon because Michael has your back. Yay. Yeah. Um, so thank you to all of our Patreon members. If you would like to join our Patreon, honestly, it like makes or breaks the show for Michael and I because, you know, podcasting takes monies. You keep our heating pads on. Thank you. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, you well, do. Well, She's All Fat always says, like, you keep the lights on. So I'm like, I can't say that. You keep the heating pads on. We keep the heating pads on. So we really appreciate it. If you want to <laughs> join, it's patreon.com slash sickdaypod. Today's episode is brought to you by Credit Card Debt. If you want to make a project with no financial backing, Credit Card Debt may be the right choice for you. Artists all across the globe have relied on Credit Card Debt to bring some of your favorite content to life. If you want to sleep less, lack security, and put off important financial milestones, consider Credit Card Debt. If you're interested in advertising with us, hit us up at sickdaypod at gmail.com and we will say your real advertisement. Yes. <laughs> Just to be clear, these are fake ads. Yeah. Fake ads, real news on Sick Day Pod. Okay, I think we're ready. Should we do the body? Are you ready for the body? I'm ready. So today's episode, honestly, when Brenna brought it up, I thought it was boring. Rude. <laughs> She's just telling me this. Rude. But it's not boring. Um, It's really important to us. And I actually, once I started thinking about it, I was like, no, this is really interesting. And this is something we need to talk about. Yeah. So we're talking about all the challenges that Spoonies face when they try to leave the house and go out in public. And, you know, the unique challenges that they have. And it's interesting for Spoonies because everybody has their own unique challenges. It's not like other, you know issues where people have problems with accommodations right and brenna and i have different challenges from each other right um but yeah i think i also thought it was boring because i forget that like able-bodied people don't have to prep to leave the house yeah so i was like of course everyone packs all their pills and tonics and food and snacks to leave the house and doesn't stay very long and then goes home and gets back in bed no (laughs) that's not how the public works yeah people enjoy leaving the house you know, some people with pockets on their body just put three things in their pocket I can't. and leave. No way. How would I fit six maxi pads in one pocket? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not going to happen. So, yeah. Where do you put your painkillers and your portable heating pads? And especially like anxiety, um, because everybody has different triggers. Every person with anxiety views the like like public life and leaving the house in a completely different way and has completely different reasons why it's a challenge and with my anxiety like my anxieties change you know Mm -hmm. so it's almost like sometimes you know I'll be held back by one thing and then I'll learn how to cope with that and then that'll go away and I'll get a new thing that I have to adjust to and you're constantly like learning to adjust 
It's almost like you're not in control of your anxiety. It's almost like your anxiety is hard to live with. It is. Same. You're right. Same. So, yeah, I think if you have a chronic illness, you start to view the world around you in a completely different way. And especially if you are, you know, born with your chronic illness and it sets on mm-hmm. all of a sudden, everything around you becomes can become like really kind of terrifying. Yeah. Or unwieldy or you could feel totally out of control. Yeah. And there's definitely anxieties over things that like are likely to happen and unlikely to happen. Right. But regardless, they're all anxieties. Yeah. So like one of the big ones for me <laughs> is like availability of restrooms. Yeah. And cleanliness too. Yeah. So like for me, like anxiety and then like that cute little IBS that pops in sometimes. Right. I am always on alert for A, is there like a bathroom nearby? And B, like, can I get to it in, like, a reasonable amount of time Mm -hmm. if not? And it just sucks because you have to, like, scout everywhere you are all the time. And it's really stressful. And then for people, like, with OCD, the cleanliness of those areas can be really big, too. Well, with me, it's not going to the bathroom. I've just been – this has probably happened, like, ten times that I've just, like, completely out of nowhere soaked my pants, like, to my knees. (laughs) yeah just will bleed uncontrollably very quickly and then be in like sudden extreme pain hasn't happened in a while but it happened once at college at work and i had to like just leave i was like in the middle of a meeting a one-on-one meeting and i was like i will be right back and then i just didn't come back (laughs) but i like what was i supposed to do this woman gave me a t-shirt to like cover my butt but it was literally like blood from my waistband to like the back of my calves wow and then if there was a line in the bathroom i'm pretty sure people would be like yeah bypass that line babe (laughs) 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 they wouldn't be like you need to wait right (laughs) but also there's like nothing i can do with a bathroom when that happens that's true like Like, what am i gonna do just like dab yeah (laughs) you need to (laughs) to just get home i just have to go home yeah and I've also, like, bled on couches and chairs and cars and, like, fabric and, like, ruined things that aren't mine, which is very anxiety-inducing. Yeah. I mean, I have that anxiety, and I have, like, a very typical flow, so I mm-hmm. cannot imagine what that's like for you. It hasn't happened in a while. That's because good. I'm using fertility awareness, and yeah. I know when my cycle's coming. That's but, a really good hack. Yeah. So, bef- well, it's a good hack, but fam takes so many spoons. Yeah, it's not really a hack. It's yeah. It's like a... Brenna knows how to do it, but finds it too spoon heavy and doesn't really need that information. Right. But if you do, I mean, it's very accurate. Yeah, it's really accurate. I can predict it usually within like a 30 hour period. Yeah. If you're interested in that, um, you can just message me and I'll give you links. Well, what's the book that the best book? Oh. Fert- Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Yeah. By Tony Welsh. Yeah. That's like the go to manual. Yeah. That's so. the best book. Uh, there's a little tip for you. Um, so, yeah, and even if you have PCOS or you're nursing, you can still track your cycle. That's, like, usually people's first questions, especially Spoonies. Um, but, yeah, so since I've – so it's not that I haven't bled that much. It's that since I've been tracking my cycle with my temperature, I just, like, stay home. Yeah, which sucks also. Or I wear, like, a huge pad. Because all those situations, I wasn't, like, wearing anything. And if I right. was wearing a pad, it, like, might have helped, like, a lot. Might not have right. been such a big deal. Yeah, but your solution is to stay home. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. That also sucks. Yeah. So, like, leaving the house is fucking hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. 
Another issue that I always face is like transportation. I get a lot of anxiety like in lifts because I'm just so not in control. Um, and <laughs> public transportation also just the fact that I can't get off mm-hmm. at any time. And mm-hmm. the same thing with a lift, mm-hmm. like you have to get to your destination. And the place that this was the absolute worst was the tube in London. And anyone who has been is probably like nodding their heads in agreement. It's so crowded. It is so awful. It's so far underground that you're already anxious. Oh. And then you're stuck in a literal metal tube. And it's like, oh, the thing is, like, London has weather, unlike LA. Right. So you're in so much clothing. And then you get there. Yep. And you're hot. Yeah. And you're stuck. I experienced this partially with the New York subway, but it's not that far underground. It's like the same as L.A. Is it the, is it deeper in London? I, I mean, I like the trains here. I'm not an expert in this. This is mostly like how I feel about it. I've never been on the New York subway, but it feels. Yeah, but it's the same as the L.A. train. Oh, no. It's deeper. It's yeah. OK. And it's like so complex and so crowded that it's like an underground world. It's, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. It was also honestly, London is shaped like a drunk spider web. Good to know. <laughs> well, isn't it? I don't know. There's no grids. Oh, no, no. Like New York is a grid. And so even though I've only been there a few times, if someone says like 15th and Broadway, you just go to 15th and Broadway. No, but in London, it's not London's like that. too old for that shit. Yeah. No one likes city planned that. No, no, no. It's shaped like a drunk spider made a spider web. Yeah. Yeah. Trademark Michael. Get me out of the tube. I'm getting anxious right now. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, I have a nice story about a lift recently. Okay. So I was coming back from therapy and I, I had like sudden onset, really bad pain. And I got in the car and I see it's a woman and I'm just like, girl, my I have endometriosis. I'm dying. And she was like, girl, I got you. She put on the seat warmers. <gasps> she had endometriosis. What? Seat warmers in the car were so nice Oh, for my back. I've always thought of that as a luxury, but and if you've she, got pain, that could be really cool. No, it's really nice. And it wasn't, like, not that her car wasn't nice, but it wasn't like a Mercedes. Like, it was like a new Honda. Like, right. a lot of cars have seat warmers now. Oh, that sounds excellent. Yeah. And um, it was, she was so nice, and she was like, I don't remember if she did or she was like, all my sisters have it, but she, like, knew what was up. Yeah. And she was like, water bottles, seat warmers, let's get you home. That's wonderful. And I was like, thank you so much. That's so nice. My little, my angel lift driver. That kind of brings me up to like a point I want to get to later is just how like if you are experiencing something in public, you need to be able to advocate for yourself. And that is a really hard skill. And I think we'll discuss that a little also, later. Also, I was like crying. So I just more wanted to let her know. Oh, I see. And I and I and I looked so sick. I wanted to be like, I'm not contagious. But yeah, you're right. I did advocate for myself. You did. But I was like, I'm not contagious. I'm crying because I'm in pain. Like, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> so another thing I wanted to talk about is just, like, how much public space takes up a ton of spoons and that there's not often, like, ways to get around that are, like, spoon friendly. Yeah. Well, first of all, just in East L.A., hardly any of the sidewalks are ADA compliant. Uh, same in West L.A. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's just, like, trees bulging everywhere. Yeah, but actually, like, some of the roots will come up a foot out of the ground. Right. And that's, like, there's no way. You have to, like, climb over it. Yeah, people with wheelchairs are totally screwed. You have to go in the street. Yeah. Yeah, it's not cool. Not cool. I was um, looking at my campus the other day. I'm going to Cal State L.A. right now for my teaching credential. Mm-hmm. And 
that campus has so many stairs and it's there's no elevator option on a lot of them really so there's elevator options to get to classrooms mm-hmm. but around campus there's not Oh, you know what? I'm saying really as if I don't know about this, but at Chapman, I was taking a disabilities class uh-huh. and I had a, we had to have like speakers come in and the building was an ADA compliant. Are you serious? Yeah. And so I asked him ahead of time. I was like, I'm so sorry, but there's actually not an elevator. And he was fine with it. Um, but he was differently abled and had we both had arthritis, but his was more severe than mine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he got up the stairs, but it like wasn't easy. And he was like so nice. He was like, I know, I go here too. Like, I know that building's not ADA right. compliant. So it was, it was fine. But it really wasn't fine. <laughs> it was really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> well, at Cal State LA, there's just like parking lots that literally you have to climb like 20 flights of stairs. And I'm not being dramatic. There's no up elevators? The hill. No. You can drive up the hill, but there's not parking spots there. Oof. It's really brutal. It stinks when the world is so hard to interact with because you have to, I mean, not only are you dealing with limited spoons, but you have to allocate spoons to stuff that is irrelevant to your goal. Yeah. Like it really upsets me that like going to school is hard for me, not because school is hard. Yep. That's what like infuriates me. So like, as I was talking about my like, 20 flights of stairs i only did it once but there are like hundreds of people who do it every day and i have to get to school extra early so that i don't have to do it Mm -hmm. so it's taking up my time and if it's not it's taking up my energy in like a very real and important way like for me it's all about like getting to school is hard because of the physical energy it takes which is so ridiculous yeah that's ridiculous like i you know Mentally, I'm there. I can do all the homework and I can, like, you know, interact with the content in meaningful ways. That's not the problem. The problem is I can't get from my car to my classroom every day. So if I'm skipping class, it's not because, you know, like an, an important reason. I mean, I guess it is important, but right. it's because I literally don't have the spoons mm-hmm. to get my body to class. And it's ridiculous how few things are ADA compliant. Yeah, I it, it works. ADA is basically like if Americans you, with Disabilities Act. Oh yeah, if you don't know what that is, yeah, it's a law that requires accessibility um, in buildings, but only after a certain year or if you remodel an old building, you have to create ADA. Yeah, but like I feel like all public schools should be ADA compliant. I know. Don't you go to Cal State? A Cal I do. State? Yeah, yeah, Cal State Los Angeles. Yeah, it might be technically ADA compliant. Just a certain parking lot you can't get to campus. Well, I think the problem is, though, is you're not disabled enough. Because if you yeah. had a handicap placard, it wouldn't, it, wouldn't, be a problem. it wouldn't be a problem. You're totally right. Yeah, you're it's not disabled It's a case of enough. that in-between thing again. Yeah, so if you're, like, pregnant or you have fibromyalgia, you you don't get specialty parking. Not that you deserve it over someone who uses a wheelchair, but, like... Exactly. It's, yeah, you're not disabled enough for it to matter. Yeah, that's constantly the problem I am facing, um, which brings me back to that point of advocating for yourself because no one is going to look at you and be like, especially if you have an invisible illness. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I'm going to help you. And that really sucks. Um, like, it sh- the burden shouldn't be ours. Yeah. But the truth is, in this climate, it is. And learning how to advocate yourself is a advocate for yourself is a very practical skill that will save you spoons down the line. But we'll get to that later. 
So for me, like a huge anxiety recently is just being outside because I was attacked recently. And I don't want to go into like details around that because it's so not chill and would probably be very triggering for literally anyone. (laughs) So yeah, it was really messed up. I was attacked recently and my anxiety around just being outside has gotten so bad. Um, But I feel like it's justified. Not that like um, anxieties of things that don't happen often aren't justified. But now I'm like. It's different. It's different. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if this is true, but I definitely categorize my anxieties that are quote unquote irrational as something completely different than like real world stressors that are rational. Right. Because if something's irrational, you can talk yourself through it sometimes and be like, okay, this bathroom isn't clean, but I'm going to live. I'm going to get through it. Right. Um, I can control myself going to therapy and like getting help around it. Right. But rational fears often you have way. Well, you have con- like you don't have control over either one. No, you don't. Yeah. But I, for some reason, I categorize them that way. No, I do too. Because it just helps me because I might actually leave the house with a fear that's irrational because like in the back of my, like, even though in my heart, I'm really scared in my head. I'm like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. They call that gathering evidence. Mm. So for an irrational anxiety, one of the like steps to working through it is gathering all the evidence that it's not going to happen to you. Yeah. So one of my like irrational anxieties is that I'm going to stop breathing. That's never happened to me. I don't have asthma. Like you're not currently swimming. Right. There's no, (laughs) there's no reason for me to believe. So gathering that evidence is like an important step if I'm feeling that anxiety. Yeah. But for a rational anxiety, such as being attacked when you leave the house uh, for your, you know, feminine body or being like cat called or even small stuff. Yeah. That is rational. Like if someone just says like, Hey, beautiful. I'm like, Nope, I'm never leaving the house again. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause it's a trigger because of like dangerous things that that can lead to and have led to. Yeah. Right. Yep. So yeah. But also like needing to leave for school early is a rational fear because you need to well yeah there won't be parking spots so yeah that's yeah but it's not there's always a parking spot but i'm like i never have the spoons for 20 flights of stairs no i don't either never have never will no no even i don't think i would even do that like intentionally as a workout or something no no me either because i'm just thinking about days where i like actually work out pretty hard and i'm like ooh, 20 stairs it's 20 flights of stairs. Honestly, if you like Google Cal State Los Angeles stairs, you'll be like, she was not joking. <laughs> she was not kidding. <laughs> it's really brutal out there. Oh, I'm sorry. It's funny because I talk to my able-bodied friends. Well, I assume they're able-bodied. They've never like come out with mm-hmm. chronic illness or anything. And they'll be like, I parked down there because I can always get parking. It's a hike. It's, it's fine. And I'm right. like, I wish I felt that way. Yeah. Describing something as a hike, you're not a spoonie. <laughs> it's a hike cool cool it's such a fun hike we'll hike and then brunch i had a friend recently telling me about how they went on a hike and there were a bunch of people complaining because they were like getting blisters and even though they had like done runyon canyon which is like a stereotypical la hike like they were having so many issues because it was like a real mountain hike mm-hmm. and this person i was talking to was like yeah those people are so soft and i was like Soft is my brand. That is me. <laughs> I am on the side of those who could not handle that hike. <laughs> Soft and is my brand. It is. No, I know. I love it. <laughs> but like, no, no. Like, if you say hike and it's more than Runyon, I'm pissed. Yeah. 
And people will sometimes, it's not cool to lie to someone and be like, it's not that bad. Just to, like, trick you into going. People do that to me all the time. Yeah. It makes me so upset. Well, because it's not a big deal to them. I don't think it's malicious. Right. But then they're like, don't you feel better? And I'm like... Like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, you've literally put me in bed for the next two days because how my body responds to exercise. Yeah, no thanks. Like, of course, like, my body needs exercise. But if you torture my body, it will torture me back. Yeah. <laughs> the There's start- a line. I feel the contrast in myself, too, because on days where I have, like, all the spoons, I start exercising and I, like, start to feel good. And then sometimes I think I'll be okay to exercise and I'll start and I'll just, like, lay on the floor and be like, no, this is a bad idea. Yeah, that happens to me, too. Yeah. It'll be, like, 15 seconds into a workout and I'll, like, try to nap after, like, doing whatever that was on the floor. Yeah, but then I know. But it's it's good to be able to, like, be in tune with yourself and, like, know when you can stop. But then it's not helpful when other people are like, you can do it. And I'm like, I can do it. I also, like, can. It's so funny how, like, anti-motivation I've gotten. Oh, yeah, don't motivate me. (laughs) It's just, like... Just because it's been used against me in so many ways. Yeah, don't motivate me. We talked about that a lot on the last episode. I know. (laughs) But, like... (laughs) We're still mad. If it's academic, I love the motivation. If my but if it's like about exercising, I don't need that. Here's the thing. If the barrier to me completing that goal is motivation, motivate me. Right. Yeah. That's not the barrier. It's right, my it's motherfucking not. chronic illness. Right. So step off. Yeah. Step off. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Have you read The Secret though, Brenna? I loved The Secret. It's so funny that you brought that up last episode. <laughs> okay, so I was basically in a I cult. hate The Secret if you didn't listen to the last episode. Yes, she did. She hates The Secret and she was woken up in high school to call that shit out. Yeah. I don't even think that's like a woke thing though. Like no one's like anti The Secret. I am. In high school, my marching band was like a little culty, if not a lot culty. And we always had motivational speakers like weekly and my teacher would read us like motivational books or like military books and then like apply it to how it should work for band. Mm -hmm. And like the secret was one of them. Mm -hmm. And I actively tried that shit. Did you like it? I mean, yeah, but I was able bodied at the time. Oh, I see. I mean, I guess the secret isn't necessarily bad if it's like about, if the barrier is motivation. If the again. barrier is motivation. Right. That's yes. the difference. But yeah. But the barrier for me, like if I'm anywhere near my period and you try to motivate me, I'm just going to feel really bad about myself. Exactly. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. The secret. Like, of Okay. The secret is ridiculous. Like we know that. Brenna, have you Bad tried example. trying? Exactly. Well, that's, <laughs> that's kind of like what a lot of like motivational speaking is. It's right. like using your time in a way that helps you reach a goal. Right. Which is a good thing if that's your barrier. But Spoonies are already like very much looking at the way they're spending their time and they are giving all their time that they can to things they want because so much of their time is stolen from them. It's just honestly rude to say like you're not prioritizing correctly or you're not trying hard enough because you're like, I am an expert at trying Right. I try so hard. I'm trying to have this conversation Me, with like, you. Me like trying to stay alive is trying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's totally fucked up. That actually brings me up to this little bullet I have under um, spoon management, uh-huh. which is the curse of small talk. Oh, yeah. This doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. Michael thrives off it. I love it. <laughs> it's funny that I would make a podcast when I hate small talk. but This isn't small talk, though. That's true. 
but for I'm me, not like, did you see how warm it is today? Yeah, you didn't say that. And I thank you. <laughs> OK, so this is like a f- weird little thing, but I find small talk excruciating when I have limited spoons and you cannot leave the house without having to talk to people. I mean, you can, but it's hard. Mm hmm. And so for me, like a barrier has often been that you have to spend your spoons making other people feel comfortable. Yeah. No, I hate that, too. I hate it in like a female body because if it's legit small talk, it's fine. But if you're like trying to hit on me under the guise of small talk, I don't need that. I had a marketing job back in the day when Mm -hmm. I worked in marketing. Mm -hmm. My like not only it wasn't my supervisor, it was like my supervisor's supervisor called me in Mm -hmm. and she was like talking to me about my job performance or whatever and like her critiques were like totally fair like that wasn't the problem but she said do you even like this job which I didn't but (laughs) she was like because it really seems like you're unhappy she was like maybe when you come in you should say stuff to the people around you like happy Friday She can critique me like I wasn't great at that job. It's not my thing. I left. But her advice was you need to show other people that you want to be here. Which was weird. It wasn't like do your work better. That's not the it was more like join the community. Yeah, it was. We both hate office communities, though. That's true. We've talked about an extent. Yeah. And office motivation. Like, don't. Don't have a weight loss office weight-a-thon. Don't That's have something a- my office was doing at the time, too. Was it actual, like, weight loss? No, it was, like, a healthy, of like, a fit challenge. That's basically telling you to lose weight. It though. was, like, yeah, a thinly veiled weight loss thing. But also we were marketing a ton of weight loss shows. Like, we had The Biggest Loser and, like, other NBC shows that were right around fitness. Well, so- you can't have a bunch of fatties marketing Biggest Loser. Oh, my God. That really triggered me, but you're right. I'm so sorry. No, not really, but, like, really. I'm sorry. That, that was that atmosphere. show is awful. Yeah, let's. Holy cow. I hadn't seen it until Brenna started marketing it, and I was like, oh, I did not know that it was actually, like, this bad. Yeah, I did the social media for once. The final season of Biggest Loser, I will take credit for killing it. That show was so toxic and I had to like manage the Twitter feeds and it was basically people being like, you're abusing fat people. And even the fitness coaches were like, we did not agree to these activities. These are unhealthy and like really upsetting. Like even the people on the show were like, this is bad. And the audience was like, this is bad. And then I like told my boss, I was like, this is bad. And he was like, yeah, yeah. But why aren't we beating The Bachelor? (laughs) (laughs) That was legit a meeting I had. I mean, The Bachelor is also bad. Well, that's why I left marketing because, like, I'm not. Tr- if the bar is The Bachelor, like, it's not a good bar. Um, full disclosure: we both watch The Bachelor, but we know it's bad. Problematic faves. Problematic faves. But I can't problematic fave The Biggest Loser. No, it's- The Bachelor. Honestly, we shouldn't problematic fave either. We shouldn't fave it. But Biggest Losers, there's nothing good about it. Isn't the isn't like the so-called healthy way to lose weight, which there is no healthy way, um, like one pound a week. Maybe. And don't they lose? Like, like no you're more. You're kicked off the show if you don't lose enough weight. That's how the system works. I think, like, you're not supposed to lose more than one pound a week. But I think on The Biggest Loser, don't they lose, like, 100 pounds, like, in a season? Yeah. That's so scary. I mean, That's it's terrifying. done as a percentage of your weight. Uh-huh. But, yes, your body, if it's not actively getting smaller, you 
you're not the biggest loser. You go home. That's just so sad. All right, let's get off the topic of the biggest loser in case but honestly though if any listeners out there didn't know that the biggest loser was problematic like this is important yeah you're right and everyone on that show gains their weight back because it was a super unhealthy thing to do to their bodies well because they can't you can't just maintain like jillian michaels screaming at you is that her name yeah that's her name and like you can't maintain running like 50 miles a day yeah so and like actively hating yourself and competing against other people right not to mention the like um pressure of america watching oh you know what's interesting is the people on that show would also like just doing the marketing there was like a little bit more of information obviously Uh uh-huh and people would share like especially the women would share like how much their menstrual cycles would literally like hold them back on the show mm-hmm. because y- their weight was fluctuating like a fucking yep. person. Mine fluctuates like sometimes up to eight pounds a cycle. Yeah. yeah. So if they had a menstrual cycle, that was them like getting kicked off the show. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Which is super fucked up. Yeah. And then also one of the contestants shared, it's just nonstop diarrhea mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're torturing their bodies. Anyway, just important note in case you didn't know the biggest loser was terrible so should we start talking about like what to do about all this yeah so i know that you had like an awesome therapy sesh recently i did um so tell us about one of your solutions for like helping yourself be a person in public okay so i was talking to my therapist and She basically tried to switch the lens at which I was viewing my body in public because I was shift. What was that? (laughs) (laughs) What? I said paradigm shift. Okay. So I was talking about how uncomfortable I was in certain spaces um, because I was afraid of the way that my body was going to react to those spaces. Um, so, for example, I, there's a class I'm in right now, and the teacher always has us moving desks in, like, moving the literal desks in formations that sometimes block the door. Mm-hmm. That induces anxiety for me, and it got so bad that one class I just had to leave because mm-hmm. I could not handle it. Mm-hmm. So she basically said, not only are you struggling, but you are pointing an extra arrow at yourself because you are blaming your body your body's reaction when you need to realize that asking for access to the door is actually a very healthy thing to do totally and And reasonable yeah and you like basically you need to advocate for yourself she told me in like nicer words Mm -hmm. but she was like you need to talk to your teacher and make sure that there's always a way out of the classroom yeah and she basically said to me If you are actively trying to cope with your trauma, um, you are doing the healthiest thing for you. And if the world around you doesn't fit that, the world around you is what's unhealthy, not you. Because you're doing the best thing for your body. Yeah, 100%. And I I think that applies to like everything we've talked about. And I think most obviously for me personally is like it's really healthy for me to not want to be sexually assaulted in the street. Right. And so I would like to not be sexually assaulted in the street. Please Uh don't do that. I kind of already know that it's like society that's unhealthy around that. Sure. 
Yeah. I wasn't like I didn't have any. You weren't extra shame. mad at yourself. No, I wasn't mad at myself at all. Um, but yeah, it's it's not my problem. It's just hard because like, on you, it's hard to advocate for yourself on the street. Like it's possible, but it's harder. Oh yeah, it's not. I don't think it's possible to add. I don't think it's as easy to advocate for yourself, especially because your teacher is like really awesome. That's true. My teacher would be totally open to it. Yeah. Your teacher's really cool. But um, also there's like, who do I talk to? The manager of the street. Right. <laughs> like, wait, one time. <laughs> wait, wait. I know, what story. Gonna, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> okay. I was going to make an important point, but instead I'm going to tell this story. <laughs> one time I was walking in downtown Los Angeles. Where all bad shit happens to us and we should never go back. Yeah. True story. <laughs> walking down the street with my parents in downtown Los Angeles and all of a sudden my leg went through the floor (laughs) and all of my weight went onto my right hip because my whole right leg had fallen into a pothole yeah and it wasn't um a manhole no it was literally the circumference of Brenna's foot fit perfect like it yeah. was perfectly it scratched up my toes and my heel yeah when my leg went down yeah and if you yeah you could have hurt you really could have like had a compound fracture or like yeah. hurt yourself so the fact that it you just been came so out bad. bruised and scratched is that amazing. was amazing yeah that was a miracle um and yeah but tell them what your mom okay said. okay so <laughs> <laughs> I fell into a hole only the right side of my body I it was so ridiculous because I just put my right foot down and all of a sudden I was down. Like everyone around me was like looking side to side, like where is her body? Where did she go? Didn't fall forward, just straight down. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I I got my leg out and my mom was obviously furious. Also, she's not from the city, right? So she's not used to like she's from a shenanigans, very manicured suburban area, right? Yeah, where there's not just random dangerous holes, right? <laughs> and she was like obviously furious and she was like that you could have broken your leg and she like looked around for people to talk to <laughs> and like <laughs> she was like look inside to side like who's gonna solve this problem and there was like a security guard at the storefront like right in front of the pothole and she was like do you know about this like this is really dangerous like you should protect your patrons and the man was like grunt <laughs> like whatever <laughs> Like, I don't know what to tell you. And then there was a police officer, like, also, like, 20 feet away. Like, everyone was around. Mm-hmm. And we were like, police officer, this woman almost broke her leg because there's a giant hole in the sidewalk. Right. <laughs> and he was like, call 411. <laughs> anyway, it never got solved. I went back, like, two years later because I was, again, in downtown and the hole was still there. Oh, my gosh. Well, watch out, everyone. So, if you watch out for public works. So... When it comes to advocating for yourself, I found it useful to sort of switch the blame. Mm -hmm. So my therapist was saying, in a perfect world, workplaces and school places and public places would be trauma-informed. So that if you need trauma-informed or disability-informed or whatever sort of accommodation you need, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you needed something, somebody would be there to help you. And that is like the right healthy thing to do. Right. And she was saying like, let's swap it instead of getting mad at your body. So let's use like the class example where I'm anxious because I cannot leave the classroom because yeah. there's like desks blocking the door. That's also dangerous. It's just actually dangerous. Yeah. Right. Though there's so many reasons to speak up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I wouldn't even have to share my trauma. I could just be like, look, there's desks blocking the door. 
right fire hazard right yeah <laughs> and everyone be like let's move those um but i even have a hard time doing that um but she was like why don't you flip it instead of being mad at your body for not being able to cope with a situation you can't escape mm-hmm. why don't you get mad at like your professor for not looking out for your safety and for blocking the door yeah and, and not taking time to make sure that doesn't happen and the other thing that's really interesting is your teacher is really cool and really trauma-informed but yeah, she this is. slips their mind of course teachers have so much on their minds like i'm not saying blame teachers no no she means no but not all te- not all people mean mean well when it comes to like being trauma-informed but she does but because maybe her experience is so different from yours in the right. world she it doesn't occur to her that that's a problem right so bringing it to her attention would actually do really good, especially because she's you see her as like such an ally. I do. She's a really wonderful professor. Yeah. Um, but I think even with people who are not shifting the blame off of yourself relieves so much. It, it like literally just lightens the load because I mean, already we're having we're struggling with our bodies. Like that's the point of this podcast. But if you are also then on top blaming yourself for that body Mm -hmm. you are doubling your pain and doubling for me my anxiety Mm -hmm. because not only am i in this situation that makes me anxious but i'm anxious that i am asking too much or taking up too much space Mm -hmm. if i do ask for what i need Mm -hmm. so you know i mean learning that you're worth the space can be hard um but i encourage myself honestly and others i still haven't talked to this teacher like I should, mm-hmm. to, you know, advocate for what they need. You know, it might be a good way to look at it. Sure. Like, would a celebrity ask for this in this situation? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, I think you can ask for it. Interesting. Not so a like person who owns their power. Ridiculous stuff. But someone with, like, who's not afraid to speak up, like, would they ask for it? Yeah. I also just want to point out that I think you're in a really privileged situation that you have a teacher that will do those things. Oh yeah. She's truly like a one of a kind. Yeah. And I think with my experience in nursing school, they specifically said, do not ask for accommodations because we won't give them to you. That's so fucked up. Yeah. That's And I think also, and that wasn't even like racially driven. So I think as a white person in other situations, um, we just have a lot more power to ask for things without seeming like, angry black lady or like welfare queen or like all the like tropes when right. black women try to claim what's rightfully theirs that's true yeah yeah it is yeah there's so many elements to consider yeah because i think what we're saying is very like lean in which is totally um has a place but right. cheryl sandberg was able to ask for those things because of her privileges exactly yeah i think something that everybody can do though is practice taking the arrow off themselves. Totally. Put, take the blame off yourself no matter what. Yeah. And like if someone's racist or unaccommodating, that is 100% their fault. And nothing your body did. I have a hard time blame. taking the fault off myself unless I can place it somewhere else, mm-hmm. which is probably like a stepping stone. But if you can just like put it on something else or someone else, even I mean, it probably is their fault. Even if, <laughs> Even if it's just like society... It could right. be like the patriarchy is at fault here, not me. So if you need to find a target for your arrow, that's not you. Like, I, I'm kind of down for that. Yeah, me do too. Do what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the moral is that, like, you can't always ask. And if you ask, you can't always get what you want. But I think the most important thing, like Brenna said, is to know that it's 
not your body's fault. Yeah. All right, let's check our vitals. Let's see if we had any spoony wins or fails this week. Michael, did you have any? Yeah, I always have fails, sometimes have wins, which is pretty <laughs> pessimistic, but I'm in a lot of pain right now. So again, I apologize for my big Sean low energy. <laughs> so my spoony fail was that, so I've been gaining a bunch of weight recently and I've always been not only straight size, but I would say like fairly thin. And so I've been gaining weight recently at kind of a rapid pace, which was kind of alarming. Sure. Like some weeks, more than five pounds a week, which wow. was kind of a lot. That's really fast. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, whoa there. Like I went off my anti-inflammatory diet. So I think a lot of it was inflammation, which slowed down after I went back on it. Oh. Um, but yeah, I was like, you know what? Even though everyone says diets are toxic and everyone who's tried them says they'll ruin your life, I'm going to try a diet. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not really quite sure what I was thinking, but I got a dieting app that was like the least shitty one possible. And I still think it was like not that shitty. Okay. I'm not going to advertise and tell you what it is, but they were like heavily advertising to me on Instagram. Um, so I got it and I definitely learned a lot of stuff. So I actually found I wasn't eating like frequently enough, which I actually think was like a helpful takeaway. Sure. Um, because when you get really hungry, you eat, like, way more than you need. But also, that's fine. It's not, like, good or bad. Right. Um, But I think I just needed to nourish myself more frequently is what I took away from that. Sure. The problem was, though, is that I found that um, – so I set a rule for myself. And the rule was I'm never going to let myself go hungry. That's a great I'm rule. I'm always going to eat when I'm hungry. So I did that. But the stuff I was eating had, like, so few vitamins in it. Really? Yeah, like usually I, I like I just had a salad, what I call a salad because I, I don't like love lettuce that much, but it was like avocados, um, chickpeas, feta and like a ton of olive oil. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'll put seeds in it. And all of that is so healthy and nourishing. It has a lot of healthy fat, but it has so many calories. It's like half the day's calories that I was allotted for like my diet. I see. So I was like eating food that was low in calories, but also I really felt weak. Like I, I wasn't hungry, but I was not getting enough nutrients at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also like, not that you have to eat a certain way, but the food I just described was actually really healthy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not allowed on the diet. That's like, so bizarre. Olive oil has like a bajillion calories and stuff. I see. So yeah. it's like cutting calories without the consideration of like nutrients. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that went pretty bad. And then like weighing myself, I get why that's really toxic now. And Interesting. Shitty. I've never really like weighed myself frequently, but I was doing it every day. Well, here's a little context. Like Michael and I are both body positive and we don't believe that like weight has any moral value at all. Yeah. Or even, like, health value, like, yeah. healthy at any size. Um, and, you know, of course, we live in such a toxic diet culture that even if you are, you know, intellectually and academically body positive, doing that in your own life can be a challenge. Mm -hmm, totally. So it sounds kind of like you just needed to experience it to know. Almost, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, my diet got really bland. I wasn't eating a variety of foods. Like, for example, I usually do like a strawberry banana smoothie with almond milk. And then I put peanut butter, hemp, flax, 
and all this extra stuff. Wow. But peanut butter and flax and hemp have like a ton of calories. So I was taking out all those good things. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so I was just basically having like strawberries and bananas and like. That's so much sugar. It's I know. So I was basically having so many carbs and like no sugar. Interesting. And I mean, no calories. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, I had to experience it for myself. Diets are toxic. Also, they don't work. And now I'm back to just eating whatever I want. And when I say whatever I want, I mean within the confines of my already very restricted diet. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But the win is that you like took the pressure off yourself, right? Right. And I also, another thing I thought is like, I was like, okay, well, I've already done this anti-inflammatory diet for like a decade. It's really hard. I can't eat a lot of delicious foods. I thought it would be really similar to like interesting but like it's restrictive not. but you would like feel the benefits so it's worth it right but it was just restrictive and not beneficial well, and, w- and not healthy it was just restrictive for the sake of weight loss right not for like health right and so that was my oops i shouldn't have dieted that was bad but your win is that you stopped dieting my win is i stopped dieting congrats and now i eat whatever i want except everything i'm allergic to (laughs) (laughs) awesome so next up is what's your prescription where we answer a question about life with chronic illness so we have a question this week from roe and roe says i have sporadic episodes of severe fatigue and widespread pain that have not been diagnosed yet uh we feel that (laughs) I have I feel great most of the time then feel awful for about 10 days missing work one to two days anyway I've become very depressed during these episodes and I'm wondering about advice about cultivating acceptance and self-compassion I feel like I'm letting the world down kids work husbands pets etc even though intellectually I know it's not my fault so I think first off the first step is definitely intellectually knowing it's not your fault but I know that the next step is like so much easier said than done yeah honestly like this question is just describing like my life in many ways totally yeah and I think the question of like how do you cultivate acceptance and self-compassion is not a question you can answer it's a journey and it's a personal journey and I think that there are tools you can utilize to help you but there's not like a clear answer unfortunately I I mean I wish we both had the answer to this question but I think it's worth even though I feel like I can't fully answer this question, I thought it was worth reading because it's so relatable. Yeah, it is. Um, and another thing is that it really relates to what we said before in terms of asking for accommodations. Mm-hmm. But some accommodations are way easier to ask for than others. Totally. Like my teacher would probably be like, yeah, of course we should have an exit. But asking a boss at work to mm-hmm. give you time off mm-hmm. is really hard. Well, that's why I just work for myself because I literally can't. Yeah. I mean, good call. (laughs) Good call there. (laughs) I have experience asking. I just honestly, um, a few years ago at a job I was at, I just got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and I asked for like two weeks off. I I just came to my boss and I was like, I mean, I did trust them. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's enough to tell them this. And it worked out. They gave me the time off. But I think that might be an exception. Well, you've also seen this backfire with coworkers. Yep. I've seen so many coworkers who um, are open about either their disability or their chronic illness be blatantly discriminated against. And as someone who is not out with their bosses, mm-hmm. I may miss the same amount of work as them, mm-hmm. but no one bats an eye. 
Right, because it's just the flu or something, they think. Yeah. Even though you're really home with the same issues that Roe is talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So whether or not you can, like, figure it out with work, like, that's so hard. I don't know. Like, older people I've talked to um, who have these illnesses, their advice to me has always been, tell no one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really, I mean... I mean, that's what they said in nursing school. They were like, it'll really hurt your job prospects if anyone knows you have mental illness. Yeah. So, (laughs) like, I don't know. That is that is practical advice. But also I have had experiences where people gave me room to breathe. But also I got fired shortly after. We're forgetting that part. Yeah. I mean, many people were fired. Well, no, but that was layoffs. We were laid off. We were laid off. I was also laid off. Yeah. Michael and I worked together at that point. We always work together. We can't. You can't separate us. (laughs) Um, Um, I did a placenta today, though, encapsulated one. And Brenna was not involved in that process. No, that's not that's not the job (laughs) we share. No, thanks. But I was also going to say, I think I find this really relatable. I think Brenna finds this relatable because she has the exact symptoms you're describing. Yeah, totally. I find this relatable because the symptoms you're describing and them being undiagnosed, it's really hard to bring someone that information and them to accurately understand what you need. Um, and for me having really painful periods, I do bring that to people. They don't understand the level of pain I'm experiencing. And they're like, girl, I'm here on my period. Get over it. Like periods are hard. Get over it. Yeah. But like, you're not bleeding like buckets of blood and needing to go to the ER for morphine. Right. That's different. But when someone says like, oh yeah, periods aren't that hard. They just like, yeah, they have no idea what that's like. This question speaks to me of a line where she says, I feel like I'm letting the world down. Kids, work, husband, pets. Because I have had to heavily rely on the people around me. And that has always created like a self-inflicted guilt and like worthlessness feeling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I ever truly was able to like let that go. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really hard to ask for help. I don't know. And it's especially hard, too, because Rose describing people that really rely on you. Yeah. So let's throw out work. I don't know what you do for a living. And I know work relies on you. But husbands, pets, and kids are things you really can't neglect. Yeah. You might be able to find another job. You might switch jobs. But, like, I, it's, it's so hard when you have a chronic illness and you have kids and you have a husband and you have people that. I mean, everybody needs help with something. Yeah. And I think recognizing that everybody has flaws and everybody will need help might make it easier to ask for help. So if you feel one of these spells coming on and you know they last like a week or longer, I mean, if it's possible, you could start planning for that to happen, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of work. Yeah. But you could do. So you could, you know, start like finding a nanny if you could afford it, who you really trust now for your kids, for Mm -hmm. example. Or, like, use WAG for your dog. If you if you can afford it, these all cost money, too. Mm-hmm. Or if your kids are older, um, that can be the, work, the week where they do, like, more chores. Right, right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's totally true. I don't know how old their kids are, but. <sighs> I don't know. For me, it has helped me to remember, like, I have, you know, family members who also have chronic illness and, you know, have these types of symptoms. And. It's n- I've never felt let down by them ever. That's a really good point. And I never feel let down by you and by you either. But I feel like I let you down all the time. This question's going to make me cry. You know, me too. I think we've been putting off this question because it's too real. But 
I mean, think about the people you know who experience similar, similar symptoms. Do you ever feel like they're letting you down? That's never. I've never felt that way. Yeah, me either. I mean, that's because I have like strong family and friends. Yeah. Which is something it's, you know. It's just so difficult. Like, I really want to give this person a specific answer for work. But I know you could ask for accommodations and it could go really well. And you could ask for accommodations and you can get fired. Right. Yeah, that's like a risk that you're going to have to assess on your own based on, you know, how understanding your employer is, um, unfortunately. I just, we just want you to know that we think you're worth it and we really hope that you get the help you need. Your value um, also is not determined by the days that you're healthy. Nope. And it's not determined by your productivity either. Yeah. If it was, then I would be like. You might try expressing <laughs> this fear to people you trust too and let them reassure you. Yeah. Like I find that if I'm really blue, like I can go to my partner and say like, I feel like I'm not pulling my weight and it makes me really sad mm-hmm. that I can't do that for you. Mm-hmm. And they'll always be like, it's fine. You do it for me too. Mm-hmm. Like, love you. You know, like yeah. they're not even thinking about it. Yeah. They're not. Cause they love you anyway. Yeah. <sighs> and I think you're also probably teaching your kids a lot about patience and compassion just by modeling that yeah. behavior. Yeah. So we feel you, Ro. We wish we had a, concise answer like do abc but it's literally just a journey i don't know i think the a b and c is rely on other people ask for help and reflect in a healthy way yeah yeah so please follow up with us if you have anything to add or your journey takes a different turn and we hope you have a lot of spoons if you have questions, we actually really need questions for the pod. Please email us at sickdaypod at gmail.com or like DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Or we'll send us a voice memo. Oh, we would love that. So we, we haven't gotten it. any of those yet. Yeah. Send us your questions. We would love to answer them on the pod. So thank you, Ro. Thank you. This episode of Sick Day Pod is brought to you by Wearing Glasses. Do you want to spend around $800 a year just so that you can use your eyes? Are your contacts super itchy and very expensive? Do you feel like, hmm, I could definitely cover a small part of my face right now? (laughs) Then wearing glasses might be right for you. They come in varieties of shapes and sizes, ranging from your Jewish Aunt Pearl to the hipster barista serving your decaf fair trade macchiato. Glasses. Use your eyes. (laughs) If you're interested in advertising with us, hit us up at sickdaypod at gmail.com. Sick Day is written and edited by Brenna Cleary and Michael Riley. Our theme song is by Brett Marquette with keyboard by Jack Saris. Their new song, Cavalcade, will be played at the end of the episode. Check out their band, 40 Feet Tall, on Spotify and follow them on social media with at 40 Feet Tall. Our cover art is by the visual artist, Angela Alba. You can follow Sick Day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon with at Sick Day Pod. If you're interested in advertising with Sick Day or want to send us your thoughts or questions, email us at sickdaypod at gmail.com. Thanks, and may the spoons be with you. When they sound for the cavalcade, they will call, call your name, and reach you on.
Yeah.